0: We are back, baby. We are back. We are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get fucking like a monkey. And here we go. And welcome to the Moose and Moons podcast, this is episode 267 of The Pod. Alongside Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso, and like we have too many times before, we are here to recap a Bears Lost to the Packers. We are here to run you through the week that was in week two. Only six remaining undefeated teams, so those 72 Dolphins, I mean, get the champagne ready because two of those four teams I still have skeptical hippo eyes on. But first and foremost, before we get into any of it, before we get into all of it, 60 home runs, 700 home runs, whatever it may be, Matt Rooney, you come first. How are you? I was at the Sox game so
1: I'm, last night, so I'm not doing too well. Oh. It's, it's been a it's been a rough week of sports for us. Um, yeah, Notre Dame got on the board, which is nice. Not sure how many we're going to see of those this year, but it's nice when they happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was it was it was a rough week of sports. So we're we're bouncing back. We're hurting this week, but we'll be okay. We'll get there. It's it's. I'm already, I'm already, I'm, I'm ready for Sunday. I'm ready for some Bears, some Bears Texans on Sunday. I'm already a little bit, I'm already kind of over the Packers loss. We'll dive into it a little bit more, but
0: I, I'm, I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing well as well. I think that uh, I had far lower expectations maybe than you did um, for the Bears on Sunday. I, I mean, again, week one's win against the Niners, fantastic. Don't read too much into it. Week two's loss to the Packers, I'd say. Don't read too much into it as well, but it is just sort of the self-fulfilling prophecy of the Bears right now, seven consecutive losses to the Packers. So maybe you can read into it. Maybe this is who we are when we play that team. Um, Obviously, much was made about Justin Fields' comments in the media after the game. I didn't take too much issue with it with him saying everybody in the locker room is feeling this more than uh, any fan is because we put the work in, they don't. I think that came across the wrong way. I don't think it was said the best way, but I think the message he was trying to get across was this bothers us. Don't worry about it. This matters to us. I took that as a positive that he kind of wrapped up in almost like an accusation of the fan base, which is never what you're looking for. Um, But in terms of what we saw on the field, um, I'm trying to remain an eternal optimist this year with the bears and I saw a team that came out of the locker room, which is more than we could say for years past. And we know what the scoring differential looked like under Nagy. And for that team to give up 21 unanswered points in the second quarter and keep fighting told me more about this team. So again, we're going to be trying to find the silver linings amidst what's going to be a pretty painful season, I'm sure. So I I thought that it was, despite losing to Aaron Rodgers for the young team time, I I thought it was a step in the right direction. Yeah, that one maybe 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 not a maybe not a step in the right direction for the season, but a step in the right direction for trying to get back to level footing against the Packers. I think. Yeah, and like
1: we everybody heading into this in this offseason, heading into this season, it's. the Bears are going to be a terrible team. Don't get your expectations too high. The Bears aren't going anywhere. They're not winning many games. You're going to be a top five draft pick. All this nonsense, all this, whatever, not nonsense, but all this noise. And that's the narrative, even locally here in Chicago. And then they, yeah, they steal a win against the 49ers in week one, which was awesome. It was a great win. They fought really hard. They pulled off a win. And then they go lose to a Super Bowl contender in the Packers, 27 to 10. That it was, it was by no means the embarrassment that it's been in the years past. I mean, They're a bad call away from being down a touchdown with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden, the sky is falling and the Bears franchise is doomed forever. Like, it's almost like people forgot after week one that this is week two of a multi, at least, you know, a one to two year rebuild.
0: Before they get, where we two, we two of a, a brand new regime. Yes, this is, of a front office that inherited sixty-three million dollars of dead cap. Yeah, it's, a bunch of positions that were untended to because, and again, very happy that Justin Fields is on this roster and developing as our quarterback. But. It was a decision that probably set us back in terms of building the rest of the roster because of what it cost us to go do that. Yeah. So I, I just think that I just think that perspective is something that's lost upon Bears fans year in and year out. One, whether expectation isn't Super Bowl or expectation is seven wins, it always shifts after like 60 minutes of football, whether yeah. it's shifting positively or negatively. I think that at a certain point, and I think we've had this conversation before. Bears fans need to step back, raise their hand, and be realistic. Like, like it's just like I understand that it comes from a place of like diehard fandom. I love my team. I believe in my team. Win, lose, or draw, they're my team. But you just got to get more accustomed to the lose and the draw because this isn't a winning football team.
1: Yeah, and you you kind of hit on the point there. Like perspective gets lost. The reaction after the loss to Green Bay was that of one where, you know, the bears were in year three of a rebuild and ready to win. And then they went and laid neck on Sunday night football. Not, they just sold half their team and, you know, they, they inherited all this dead cap space. They're trying out a lot of young guys. Guess what? Most of the young guys, not named Kyler Gordon, look really good. Th- like, look really good. Dominique Robinson yeah. still looks like a thing as a pass rusher. Tevin Jenkins looked fantastic at right guard. I thought he had a fan- like a phenomenal game. David Montgomery still running really hard. Justin Fields, it's still really hard to grade him because the Packers had the ball for we got to run more of the plays. We've got to run more
0: plays. I understand he's only thrown, what, 26 passes or something like that through two games, which is unacceptable, but we're not running enough plays to find out what he is as a passer. We know what he possesses in terms of the run game. We know how much of a dual threat he is. It looks like our run game in terms of traditional run with the tailbacks is productive this year and I don't want to have the conversation again week in and week out or I don't want to become the team that says oh just run the ball 40 times because that's all we can do look what we did on that final drive coming down the field we ran read option you're not going to win many games that way. We need to find out what Justin Fields is as a passer. We need to develop him as a passer, but you can only do that if you're getting first downs and you're running more offensive plays and you have longer time of possession. He's never going to throw the ball 30 times in a game. If you only run 50 plays, that's just not, that's just not what it's going to be, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, there was, I, I thought maybe one or two
1: plays with him dropping back that I was a little bit disappointed. I, there was the, the Equinemius St. Brown play that he was pretty wide open uh, for a touchdown, but I, I forgot what happened there. He got some pressure in his face, didn't really have him. Other than that, like, there wasn't any really room to be all that upset with Justin Fields. I thought the one throw that he had to Cole Komet on the little tight end stick route that Comet just flat out dropped was a really good read look throw under pressure with Kenny Clark right in his face. Um, mm mm-hmm but I just, I don't understand the doom and gloom about him for a guy that was seven of like, it's not like, It's not like he was 7 of 21 for, you know, 87 yards. He was 7 for 11. Does the internal clock look like it needs to quicken a little bit? Absolutely. I think that's, if you're going to look at one thing Justin Fields needs to work on, speed up, get better at, it's that internal clock. He's holding on to the ball a little bit too long. I didn't think the offensive line passed blocked well, but there were some times where they did give him enough and he was holding on to a little bit more. Has to be a little bit more decisive. But he's also dealing with a receiver group that's not all that good at getting open and when coverages when secondaries are blanketing Darnell Mooney and kind of taking him away and your options are Equinemius, St. Brown and Dante Pettis there's not going to be much open there also let's not forget he went up against probably the best secondary in the NFL last weekend and he's learning. Did he pass that test on Sunday Night Football? No, probably not But he's got 15 games to do that this year. And what we're looking for this year is progress. He's in a similar spot to Tua was in last year. to Jalen Hurts was in last year. We need to see some progress. And then once you see that progress in this offseason, go out and spend all that money to go get him a weapon, to go improve that offensive line. A weapon or two, I should say. Like, this is not people are comparing him to Jalen Hurts right now. Jalen Hurts is front office, went and got him AJ Brown and is in year three. Like Justin Fields is in year one of a new offense in his second year. Like we need to see signs of progress. It's hard to go into Lambeau against the best secondary in football against the best quarterback in football and come out and win.
0: I completely agree. And just looking at the team stats here, if you possess the ball for 22 minutes of a football game, you're not going to run many plays specifically, you're going to run 41 plays. And of those 41 plays, the bears are really a team. That's going to be 60, 40 run pass, regardless of the situation, unless you're chasing and throwing the ball all over the the park, because he needs to throw it more than 11 times. Yes. He probably needs to throw it double that. And if you're saying 22 times, 14 of 22 is not fantastic. If you want to extrapolate those numbers out, but like, Again, we can't read too far into it. I would like to see uh, Getzy get to some other stuff. I would like to see Cole Komet more featured, especially with the um, lack of wide receiver talent that we have. I want to see it schemed a little differently, but... Again, it can't be the sky is falling approach. Yes, things are always um, amplified when it's against the Packers because we so badly want to beat them. We so badly want to look them in the eye and be that type of football team that can contend with a top of the NFC type team. That's our rival on top of it all. It's Just not where we're at right now. No, I don't you think know that's what? Because of our quarterback, I think no. that's because of the personnel across the team. I don't think that's because of our coaches. I think it's because of the personnel across the team. I think we're we're playing from a deficit here, especially when you're going to be facing the Tampa's, the Green Bay's, the Phillies. I'll even say, even though they got their doors blown off, the Minnesotas. There's mm-hmm. going to be some tough matchups in this division and in the NFC that are going to reveal the inefficiencies of this roster. You can't just point your finger at the quarterback and say he's what's wrong. I, and I
1: think they did a good. Like, this coaching staff has now started out this season against two legitimate NFC championship title contenders, and they beat one of them. And the other, they were in a serious Fair challenge. Say, like you're talking about, they beat one of them, and they were again a, a whatever a bad call, a, a centimeter, whatever you want to call it, away from being right in the game, down a touchdown with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Who knows what happens after that? Maybe Green Bay goes down and gets field goal again. But th- both of these. Both of these games against the NFC title contenders, they were in it in the fourth quarter. One of them, they came out as a win. And what, what I do think, I think they went into those two games with a game plan of we want to run the ball to kind of try to control the ball more. Obviously, it didn't work as much against Green Bay, but they wanted to control the ball, run some clock, and keep themselves in the game with a chance to live to fight another day and be in it in the fourth quarter. Both games, they were. Now they're going up against two teams in the Texans and, and the Giants are off to a great start. They've beaten two pretty bad teams, but they're two and zero. but still more of two teams on our level. These are more mm-hmm. type games that now you have a, a Lovey Smith, the coach defense. that's probably going to, it's probably going to sell out to stop the run after how well you've run. And I think they kind of know that. I think this is kind of a spot where you see the pass game open up a little bit. Again, not, he's not going to throw 35 times. They're still going to want to try to run the football, but now you have this successful run on tape for two straight games. And that's what the Texans are probably going to try to take away from you. Now things will probably open up for the passing game. And now I think you kind of see some more scheme passing plays. I think you do see Justin Fields throw the ball 20, 22, 25 times this weekend.
0: Um, I'm hoping that that is the case, Matt. You've alluded to it a couple times here. So I do want to address it specifically. Uh, Third and goal, Justin Fields gets the pylon upon for the review, knees down, put the ball at the, I don't know, foot and a half yard line, the 18-inch line, the 10-inch line, wherever it was. You line up in the shotgun. You get to the goal line. It appears that Fields was in, regardless of call of a touchdown, no touchdown, inconclusive evidence, call stands, call confirm, whatever it may be. What mm-hmm. did you make of the play call? Because I know people's heads were spinning about putting Fields in the shotgun there. Well, Luke he should be fired, obviously.
1: Oh yeah, um, yeah. Just, just fuck. Just he, you know, he's fired. Get him, him out. It. Get him out. Get him out. I do think.
0: It, I do think away. it was the wrong. I don't think. I do fired. It, I do think I it was know. the wrong decision. Just from like a, a philosophical standpoint, I hate on the goal line when offensive coordinators move essentially move the ball further from where it needs to be, and that's what's happening. You're snapping the ball three yards deeper than it needs to be, mm. and yes, you give Justin Fields a little bit more read time you give your offensive line a a time to pull because they did pull a guard there rather than just like submarining and going for the goal line. But let's not oversimplify a three ingredient cake here. It's butter. It's sugar. It's flour. Just, Get the snap, dive, reach the ball, touchdown. That that's all you need there. Make sure your center catches some shins and just dive the ball over the top. We don't have to we don't have to get too cute here. And that was a little bit too cute. It felt like a little bit of the Matt Nagy school of play calling there. At the very worst, I want to see Justin Field turn around and hand it to the running back. But even then, that's a transition. Yeah. That is the ball moving a yard and a half from where it needs to be. Sneak the frickin' football
1: I see I didn't have it on the same level everyone wanted to say that was Matt Nagy getting too cute it's not like he ran some sort of weird read option with you know a, an RPO and all that he just ran quarterback power and I, yeah. honestly the bigger the, the thing that I don't like the most about that I hate pulling a guard on the one inch line I just I, I absolutely that's what blew hate up the whole play he, exactly. ended, up, he I, ended up
0: three I, feet in running, the backfield because yeah because you have, you have if you're on the linemen. you're on the two I guess. go ahead no, no say so you have a three technique who's defending the sneak. He's going to submarine. He's mm-hmm. going to try and reset the line. He's not trying to tackle the ball care. He's trying to make a mess is what that nose guard three technique, wherever they're lined up is trying to do. So with that, you're pulling a guard into someone who's already playing a technique that is based off of resetting the line of scrimmage. you you're, your guy's never going to be able to pull and then get leverage enough to block that guy and your quarterback. Exactly. the end zone. Maybe from the two, but yes, exactly. But from the complex, two yard line
1: from the, uh, on the one. Exactly. I get it. With, but with there's, how there's, how just there, there's just, just not enough time to run that. Yeah. But that's what I don't though, like about that. But again, I don't think it was too cute. He called it power run play and it, well, all the only difference that he, that, you know, occurred there was instead of Justin Fields turning around and handing it to the running back, Justin Fields was the running back and David Montgomery was supposed to be the lead blocker. I get you yep. saying your people saying, you know, should have just went to Montgomery. And I, I'm not going to say I disagree with you there because uh, Blossom game had a fantastic game blocking as the fullback to the run plays with him. Um, I, I saw a tweet with his play breakdown. That like you know, It was 11 of his 13 snaps for big positive run plays. Mm-hmm. If you want to have a lead blocker, go ahead and do that but also he ran power taking away the snap It actually make like it makes the play quicker. There is no turnaround. There's no snap turnaround exchange. You just ball and go. Yeah. I, it's not, it's, I get that it's shotgun and we're so used to seeing Matt Nagy's cuteness, but this wasn't Matt Nagy's shotgun call. This was a quarterback power. This was a power run play. It, That's fair. It technically didn't work.
0: There's, That's fair. And I if you want David you know you know to get the ball, now? I get it. But there was power run. That's all it was. You know what I'd love to see now the next time they're on the one-foot line? Santa's Slay or whatever it's called. No, I'd love to see them. If, they're, if they if they just refuse to sneak the football, I'd love to see them line up in the shotgun again, snap the ball, show that power look, and then feel just pull up and dunk one over the top to come out or something like that. Like, sure. show Show that you're – show that you're aware of the inefficiency, but use it, I guess, would be my, uh, would be my criticism there. And it's,
1: you know, it's, it's it's early in the football season. And a lot of the things that you're putting on tape are things that you can come back and, you know, capitalize. And I'm not saying they ran that play just to put it on tape, but like you're thinking about these things. A lot of these plays have, you know, different, you know, play actions or passes off them. Like, I, I get I, I didn't like the play call. I would have gone under center and ran a sneak. I understand it and it's not nearly as egregious or, you know, quote unquote fireable offense as the, as the talking heads in, in here in Chicago are calling for this week. It was um, it was it was a play call that
0: d- technically worked but didn't get called. It is a play call and a failure that also led to the under-ticket cashing, so silver lining uh, to the Bears' losses. I also did ticket. it first touchdown score in that game with Justin Fields. Ooh, those are those are always sweet. Um, we were looking at a 27-10 scoreboard when it was all said and done against the Packers. It's been far worse, but it needs to be better, and that's how I feel about this Bears team right now. But Matt, speaking of winning tickets, we're going to get to some locks, but first, we're going to run it through the NFL, and I kind of want to ask you a question Ooh. regarding each one of these teams and each one of these results. Maybe, maybe I ask you a question about one of the teams and you ask me a question about the other team in that, uh, in that matchup. You want to do a okay, different, kind of, different format. I like it. Let me pull up the format. scoreboard here. Gotta have it up. Uh, all right. Beginning on Thursday night with the Kansas city chiefs beating the Los Angeles chargers 27 to 24, which feels like years ago. I'll ask it to you this way, Matt. When did the Los Angeles chargers start winning? Oh, they're one and one. But no, no, no. I'm t- I'm talking like grand scheme, big picture. Oh. This is supposed to be the genius head coach, the talented quarterback that we. I still think like. it's this year.
1: Uh, I think I, I think we saw them go in and play the Chiefs really tough on the road. They slowed down that offense. They held them to 20 points. Obviously, one of them was a was the pick six, and the pick six even was more so was on that like fluky tight end was tired kind of play like i was really impressed with the chargers i was really impressed with both teams and that kind of felt like an afc i shouldn't say afc championship type game because the bills are gonna win the afc AFC Um, playoff teams but that that felt like two afc playoff teams in a playoff game and i left that game very impressed with justin herbert so i'm not
0: uh, you know, like, I'm not, But that's, I'm but that's, I'm but that's not, like, exactly I'm what I'm saying. There. That's exactly what I'm saying. They're uber impressive. But at a certain point, if you want to be a contender, you have to win those games. And the final 10 minutes, 15 minutes of that football game, the Chargers could not have looked more chargery. It's almost, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. that they will find a way to put their foot in their mouth. And until they don't in one of these big spots... I still have an eyebrow raised at the Chargers. Give me a I Chiefs was gonna
1: ask, I was going to ask when does when does did Brandon Staley get bullied out of going for it on fourth down? <laughs> it um, looks like it's happening. What do the Chiefs need to catch the Bills? Because the Bills are the class of the AFC right now, clearly. And the Chiefs have had you know two pretty big wins to start the year: one blowout, one t- tough divisional. What are what are the Chiefs missing to get to the Bills, if anything?
0: i think the chiefs are missing absolutely nothing i think that this is a team capable of beating the bills i think it's a team that's capable of out coaching the bills i think that this is a team that is capable of winning a super bowl this year and i think that that afc championship game between the chiefs and the bills will be your de facto super bowl there's just i know teams develop there's just nothing in the nfc right now that i think can play with and beat those two teams so i think the chiefs are a complete package right now Maybe you want to see them make a move for a high-profile corner that can lock up digs or a safety that can cheer up the back end where Honey Badger might be missing a little bit. But mm-hmm. it's a team that we talked about it before the season or in week one I forget what it was. It is a team that not only understands the standard but they play to it week in and week out. This is an Andy Reid led team that shows up in September. Yes, there will be lulls in which we question this team and you know the Bills will probably even have a stinker at some point but right now it's a complete Kansas City team. Uh, We're going to take it to the Sunday slate where the Cleveland Browns just absolutely fell on their face up two touchdowns with what was it like Four minutes to play and they lose yeah. to the Jets, an onside kick, a bunch of blunders. Uh, I'll ask you a Cleveland Browns question, Matt. Um, why don't we see more Nick Chubb? Why don't we talk about Nick Chubb as one of the premier backs in the game? Like why why have we stopped talking about him that way? I think it's partially because he plays in Cleveland, and
1: I think he just kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. I also think with Nick Chubb, I know he had a few receptions. He's not nearly as dynamic in the passing game as you see a lot of top-tier running backs are. But I feel like most of the top-tier running backs now are kind of two-way... No, I, I hate saying two-way backs, but kind of like guys who can move out in the slot a little bit more. I feel like Chubb is a little bit more of just that backfield runner. He's more of the traditional type running back that isn't just as, is, you know, the, the, the sexy... You know, trendy pick or whatever in today's NFL, but he was fantastic. Again, he didn't quite get to the hundred yard mark, but three touchdowns on the ground, and that should just be their offense going forward until they get Deshaun Watson back. Unfortunately, they get Deshaun Watson back, but until he's back, it should just be a steady diet of Nick Chubb. Um, That's that's also a really funny name, Nick Chubb i i'm in between two with the jets i kind of want to go with garrett something i don't know what to ask about garrett wilson so i'm not he played fantastic uh
0: joe joe flacco stealing zach wilson's job um you know we were kind of having this conversation in the in the newsroom the other day and i don't know that he's stealing his job because you have to have to have to find out what you have in your quote unquote franchise quarterback i don't think I don't think you accomplish a whole lot leaving Joe Flacco in for 10 weeks, even if you're six and four. I think that Joe Flacco is doing a great job at doing his job right now. You can't get wrapped up in the result. You can't get wrapped up in the fact that he's leading this comeback. You can't get wrapped up in all of that. You have to go back to your quarterback when your quarterback is ready, but this allows you not to rush your quarterback back because Joe Flacco is playing effectively. So is it gonna make things Um, Is it going to make things awkward? Is it going to make a decision more difficult? Yes, and then no. But that is going to obviously provide plenty of fodder in the New York media for whether or not this change should be made, even though it's obvious that it should because you spent that pick on Zach Wilson. It's Zach Wilson's team. It's a tough Uh, spot for Zach Wilson. He's going to come back with even more pressure on him. No doubt. Uh, Let's talk about the Detroit Lions and the Washington Commanders. Detroit winning 36-27. I will ask you this question about the Detroit Lions. Matt, can the Bears beat them twice? Uh,
1: Sure they can. I I mean, I still think the Lions are kind of the Lions. And I know they played the Eagles really well at home. Don't really buy Washington. Um, The Lions, I'm going to admit, are a better football team than I thought. Uh, but I'm still not ready to say that they're, you know, far and away the third best team in, in the NFC North yet. I think it's a little bit too early to tell. And I don't think we're beating Washington at home when almost kind of letting them come back um, is all that. It's impressive, but like I'm still not ready to crown them as a playoff team. And, you know, this this up and coming, whatever. I'm not there with them yet. I need to see them do it a little bit more consistently. I will say I'm on Ross St. Brown looked fantastic. And if that's the kind of the if that's. The performance they're going to get from him, and then you have him, you have DJ Chark, you have some depth at receiver there. I think they have a pretty nice receiver group forming. Um, Washington,
0: what, what do you got? <laughs> I don't even know.
1: Why does Jack Del Rio still have a job? I don't that's know. I don't think he's very, that's probably it. I was, I, I, I this had a similar, I know I, before the Jess thing, I, I, I had a similar, you know, Garrett Wilson had a really good game. I think he's really good. I was going to do something with Jahan Dotson because I think he's really good, but there's no question about that. I just wanted to say, I think he's really good. Yeah. What? Why, why is Jack Del Rio still there?
0: Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I just think that it's, I think it's a team lost at sea without a compass. Like, there's just like, there's no purpose right now. They went and got a Band-Aid in Carson Wentz who can't even stop the bleeding because we know what Carson Wentz is. Um, it's just a really bad – I won't even say it's a bad football team. It's a really bad organization, and uh, it's bleeding into every aspect of the football, the hiring, the player personnel, the execution. It's all really, really bad in Washington right now.
1: I will say the uh, uniforms, the, the white the white with red, look a little bit better than – There you go. There's, so, your, there's your nice thing to say shout about Shout-out, Commanders. Your uniforms are not as bad as we thought
0: the new york football giants took down the carolina panthers at 19 to 16 matt is new york the worst 2-0 and team you've ever seen yeah they're not good daniel jones is oh my god winning his your bad. quarterback two straight weeks yeah he's just i
1: i don't like their their defense plays hard and they're similar to the bears in that they play very hard they're clearly inspired they like their head coach they play for their head coach and everyone around daniel jones not nearly as bad of a roster, I think, as we thought. Now they're again two and zero against pretty bad competition so far, and they really stole one in Tennessee. Um, but it looks like Brian Dable is is getting those guys going early, and that's it's. it's it's nice to see them playing for him. But yeah, they, they still have a problem at quarterback. And until you have a solution there, you don't really have a team.
0: Um, you know what, what could be really, really interesting? is them going into a London matchup with the Packers in week five, four and and0 but looking like absolute garbage. That would just bring the, everybody's brains out here. I would say. Uh, because they got, they got the Cowboys this week in prime time and then the Bears next week, which as much as I hate to say it, are both very winnable games. Yeah. It's the bears giants games. going to be an interesting one to watch.
1: Give me the under right now, 20 and a half, like whatever. Jesus, uh, Carolina Panthers. It might've brought this up last week, but I don't think we ever really addressed it. Is Matt rule the next head coach at the university of Nebraska?
0: Yes, that is. I that think is so 100%. too. 100%. It was That's, between Matt rule, urban Meyer and, uh, and Lincoln Riley and not Lincoln Riley, excuse me. Um, uh, Cliff Kingsbury and the fourth quarter there in Arizona saved Cliff's job. So he's off the list. So we're back between urban Meyer and uh, Matt rule. And just Matt rule has got a Nebraska feel about just bring him bring the boys does. back, bring back the culture. Um, but that, I think you might've, you might be getting at something tr- true there. It, like we joke about it, but Matt rule might, we might find out that Matt rule is precisely a guy who's fantastic at the collegiate level. Mm-hmm. And not so great at the NFL level. I, I don't think that, he's awful
1: at the NFL level. Like he's, just, it's, They don't have a quarterback, and he's not a good enough coach. Not many coaches are good enough coaches to win without a quarterback, but he's yeah. just not that good. And he's a very, very good college coach, and there's nothing wrong with that. Go back to college and make a lot of money and get yourself in a program where you can kind of be for life if you want to be, because that's, I, I think that's the spot for him. That's not a knock against him. I think it's just
0: reality. New England edges out Pittsburgh seventeen to fourteen late. Uh, Matt, is it time for Kenny two gloves? Because that's the question that all the Pittsburgh fans are already asking. I I felt I feel so bad for Mitch. Um, two weeks—that's th- how long they made it with Mitch. Two uh, weeks they gave you him. Know. we gave him four years of our lives, Matt.
1: Oh, wait. I, I hate to say what goes around comes around because it wasn't really Mitch's fault, but this is the same exact situation yeah. with Mike. Now, Mitch is better than Mike Glennon was, and he—that's—I don't want to—I don't want to slander Mitch in that way, but like, uh, yeah, it's—it's it's, you're, you're going to see Kenny. You're going to see Kenny Pickett within a couple of weeks. I would have to think because it's just uh, Mitch is not the answer. I love Mitch. He's. I think Mitch might be the best backup quarterback in the NFL. And unfortunately for the best backup quarterback in the now NFL. Now that Jimmy
0: Garoppolo is a starter. Yes, Yes. Uh,
1: they usually find themselves starting for a team that thinks they could turn them into the solution. And that's just not a good place to succeed. I think Mitch is a great backup quarterback. Um, I, I, did we learn anything good about the Patriots? Like, cool. That was, you won. But like, I don't think, what did we learn that we like about them?
0: Yeah, no, I think that this was a very nondescript win for them. I think that uh, it's going to be a team that realizes they're inefficient. Like Nelson Aguilar, no disrespect, just can't be your guy. Uh, Aguilar went for one twelve. Jacoby Myers maybe showed us something here, ninety five yards. Um, I just don't know that there's enough pieces in place. I think it's a. I think we're learning things more about the organizational structure and the reluctancy of of. Uh, of bill belichick to say we're not good enough we need to rebuild like it's yeah piecemealing together a roster that that he thinks he can maximize and win with it's just not how it goes pal yeah um, i, I think with his brain, a lot when 12 is not your quarterback
1: i think with his brain one he's his ego is probably too big to rebuild and two he's 70 like you don't want to go he's not going through a rebuild when the Patriots decide it's time to go through a rebuild, it's his time to hang him up. Or, you know, that's a. Tough I thought he's going somewhere else, but I, I don't brain, think he wants to go through a
0: rebuild. You just his brain. You know, he's seventy, which is a knock at our at both my father, who's about to turn seventy. Uh, at our no 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 you're no 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 no
1: no 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 well, like it. you're it's twisting not wor- like ageism. You're twisting words. He's got a great brain. I'm right. saying he's 70. He doesn't have he it's doesn't good. want to go through a rebuild.
0: So he's got a great, great brain for 70 is what you're saying. No, that's that not what, what I telling? said at all. No,
1: you're twisting words now. OK, you know what? I'm. You know somebody, what I was saying? You're twisting words. This, wild is, this is
0: very ugly. of you this is ugly, of you. Uh, Let's talk about ugly. The Indianapolis Colts, zero points in week two against the Jacksonville Jaguars. 24 to nothing. Jacksonville wins. Um, I, I think that Jacksonville showed us a lot of good stuff here, but I, I guess I want to ask the easier question here. Like, is it pack it up and go home, to, go home time for Indy? Uh,
1: it's hard to say that because the division is so bad and Jacksonville's just been a house of horrors, but there's similar. It, it It feels like even if you win that division, if you're Indy, you come back you have a better second half of the year, and I guess second half, you know, better latter half of the year, and you win that division, you're still going to get smoked in the playoffs. You can't compete. You with, started with those teams.
0: your season with the Texans and Jaguars, and you're zero and one. Have one. a win. Yeah. it's now you get the Chiefs. You're gonna get I your don't face is broken. I don't get why, and
1: I, I didn't totally buy into it, but I'm starting to like. I don't understand why. Chris Ballard and to a lesser extent, but still Frank, Wright Keep getting this pass. Like I get it. Andrew Luck retired four years ago and that left you in a weird spot with quarterback, but you've had four years to figure out the quarterback position and you keep signing 37 year old band-aids that are over the Hill. Like it's, it's, same thing that we talked about with Ryan Pace here. It doesn't matter how good of a roster you build around the quarterback. You can't figure out the quarterback. You're not going anywhere, but it seems like they just kind of keep getting passes
0: and it feels like this might be the year where they stop getting that pass. Yeah. Um, it needs to be because again, we use the phrase over, over and over, but like nobody band-aids the position more than the Colts have band the quarterback position for the last and it's, it's tough because it's like they've left, we, talk about,
1: yeah, we talk about NFL purgatory, which was what the Bears were in for a little while. The Colts have been in that spot. And when you're in NFL purgatory, you're not in a position to draft a top end quarterback. You have to, and I don't think the Colts have really tried to go get a quarterback outside of maybe Sam Ellinger, um, but like they haven't, they they haven't been in a position to draft one of these high end quarterbacks. They haven't taken a shot on a second or third rounder, and that's kind of what happens. That's you re put you sow there, and that's why NFL purgatory is NFL purgatory. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars question. You know what? I, we talked Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence was very impressive, and I think Doug Peterson's going to be really good for him. I want to ask though, how impressed are you by James Robert Robinson? Dude tore his Achilles like less than a year ago and he's already back playing really, really good football and looks like a really good fit in that offense. So I just want to, I I want to give a guy a shout out for bouncing back that quickly. Also after losing his job last year, because urban Meyer's an idiot.
0: Yeah, I think it was, uh, I think James Robinson mixed with some Travis Etienne can be like a really, really nice backfield combination. And I think that Travis Etienne, as he gets up to speed can make life easier on James Robinson because yeah, 64 yards, a touchdown, but 2.8 a toad is a tough Sunday. Like, that's that's tough sledding for a guy. Um, mm-hmm. po- touched it 23 times for 64 yards. So, I was impressed. I'm happy that he comes back from the injury, but, like, let's not get crazy, I guess, is my answer to that question. That's a fair point. All right, I feel like we're sort of those early games in a bit of a slog Really, some stuff to read into when it comes to a 42-38 20-point come from behind win wow. by the Miami Dolphins over the Baltimore Ravens, two to Loa, six touchdown passes, two to Waddle, two to Hill, combined for crazy numbers. Um I want to ask this question the right way because I I don't want to do the is too a legit, yada yada mm-hmm. yada. I want to sure. do the Is there any way to defend the speed that the Miami Dolphins possess? Like, or let me say it this way. How do you defend the speed that the Miami Dolphins possess?
1: I have absolutely no <laughs> earthly idea. I have a feeling at some point this year, we're going to see a game plan that some defensive coordinator is going to figure out. And we're going to see the blueprints for it. But I don't know. I, I it's,
0: it's they're, tough up with a the one-track-level yeah. speed guy. When you have two, Mike McDaniel can essentially say, all right, one of you runs a go, one of you runs a deep under, Tua, read the guy standing between them. Make it very easy on them. Now, not to discredit what Tua did, because the ball to Gesicki in the back of the end. zone was great. Anytime you come back from down 20 late in the mm-hmm. game is great. Anytime you throw for six touchdowns, it can't be knocked. He looked fantastic. But those two guys are going to make reads very clear for him. Yeah, it's almost like
1: they held out on running the go deep, deep, uh, deep underplay, like until they were down 21 and had to start doing it. It's <laughs> like, almost like it's almost like Mike McDaniel had the break glass in case of emergency. And like it's what the chiefs used to do with Tyreek Hill. They just told him to go run the touchdown play and they ran the touchdown play and scored a touchdown. Like that's all it's, it's probably something you can't keep doing all the time, but man, it's good to know that it's there. And, Oh my God. Those two are just so fun to watch together. And it's, it was an insane, I, that was one of the most fun witching hours I've seen in football. And that game just kept popping up on the screen. You knew something fun was going to happen on red zone. So that that was awesome. But no, I don't know how to stop them. And I don't think many defensive coordinators in the NFL know how to stop them. I I guess Bill
0: Belichick did a decent enough job holding up only 20 points. Part two of the question. It's very low leverage, but it's a fun question. Sure. Who's wide receiver? Who's wide receiver one? Uh, yes. I, I know. I know <laughs> the answer is probably Tyree. Tyre, but, like, but for me, it's Waddle. I think he's I think he's so much more dynamic than Tyree. Let me not say so much more dynamic. I think that his route tree goes deeper than Tyree. I agree. I, I agree with that. hundred percent.
1: Okay. Now you. All right. Raven's question. Um, man, what do I want to ask? I want to talk about Lamar. What was, was that more, was that game more of a knock on Baltimore's defense? What my, or, or positive on Miami's
0: offense or kind of in the middle? I think kind of in the middle. Um, I think anytime you give up, what was it? 42? 42 Baltimore's 28 Baltimore fourth quarter some, points needs to do some soul searching. Um, uh, you know, it's weird. You walk away feeling positive about Baltimore just because we have such an offensive slant at the game today. Their offense looked awesome. Lamar for the second straight, straight week, um, ran the ball effectively, made tough throws, hit guys in stride. So like a lot of positive takeaways for Baltimore too. Um, you just got to end up on the right side of those games. So I think that was that, one of the best anything,
1: throwing efforts I've seen Lamar have like in his career. I thought he threw to improve
0: as well as ever. It sounds weird to say but if anything is going to limit this Baltimore team it appears it's going to be the defense which is just absolutely wild and I feel weird saying that about the Baltimore Ravens uh, Chargers excuse me the Rams and the Falcons uh, this one was over and then it wasn't and then it was uh, the Rams uh, the way I described them on air yesterday and I think it kind of resonated with a couple of our analysts is they're just uninspired right now they're a real they're, they're a good roster that i think you i think we need to take bills results with a grain of salt when we're talking about the opponent because of how good the bills are so let's throw out week one let's say this was week one chargers against the falcons it's a w that you kind of limp to you let atlanta come back from 28 to 3 quite ironically um to almost beat you but um matt where does la find their inspiration this year because they're very uninspired right now
1: it's gonna be tough. And I mean it's Super Bowl hangover. It happens ever it seems like it happens just about every year. I don't really know where they find that inspiration. Maybe it's a deadline acquisition of somebody that hasn't won one yet, but it just seems like they're kinda going through the motions out there, especially once they got up big, they really just put it into relax mode. Mm-hmm. I just don't like uh, they, they started a little bit slow last year. Maybe they're just a team that needs a little while to start, you know, the lead needs a few weeks to kind of get themselves cooking. Maybe it's divisional play. I'm not really sure. Like, get, get the 49ers in there, get a rivalry game going. But they just don't seem like a team that has that internal fire that they had last year. And I, I, I do think the loss of Andrew Whitworth hurts more than just on the field. I think that hurts in the locker room as well because I think he was a very powerful voice in there on that offense. Uh, it just it seems like something's missing there. Um, they went out and got Von Miller at the trade deadline last year. And that certainly helped them a little bit that that kind of sparked them. Maybe they do something similar this year. I truly don't know what picks they still have to trade or what they do, what they do or don't have. Um, but I, I feel like that's kind of it. I think they have to almost tread water till that point, go ahead and make a move and kind of spark that locker room with, with uh, an injection of new life. Um, Falcon's question. Whew. Uh, yeah. Why, why, not just start here. why not just start Desmond Ritter now? I, I, Um, I get what Marcus Mariota is, but like similar to the Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky thing, like, and I know obviously Pickett's a higher prospect than Ritter, but like Ritter had a really good preseason. And I feel like if you're Arthur Smith, the way you save your job this year is showing that you can kind of develop a quarterback because if you're bad enough, and you develop Ritter to show signs that, you know, he's he's pretty solid. We've taken him from, you know, step one to step two, and he looks like he's progressing. And then you have the second pick in the draft, and you can get yourself Bryce Young. I feel like showing that you can develop a quarterback shows that you deserve to be the next guy. You know what Marcus Mariota is. We know what he is. Him and Mitch Trubisky are kind of the same guy, not necessarily in style, but just in terms of talent level. Like, they're very solid backups. You know what you have here, the Atlanta Falcons. It's a developmental year. Why not just throw Desmond
0: Ritter in there? Because maybe throwing them in there stunts his growth and you don't have to rush him in because it was a third round pick. You didn't spend yeah. crazy capital on him. You know what Mariota is. You know what your team is. You know what your season is. Um, there's very low expectations. So develop them. I do think we see them at some point, but like you're also, you're also offering a bit of a runway here for Mariota to show, Hey, I can be a backup of this league still somebody give me seven million dollars so not yeah. that that's like an objective for an NFL football team but like I guess my answer would be because there's no reason to rush Desmond Ritter right now with where this Atlanta team is kind of just quiet quitting on the season if I may other the question
1: yeah. other question why don't they, they throw came up to with Kyle two Pitt. on the Falcons why don't they throw to Kyle Pitts more
0: I don't know it I, makes I, no I'm sense. That he's got, deep on
1: the, on the, on the he's got four receptions game. on the year. That seems like something they should be throwing. A the guy they should
0: be throwing two more.
1: San Next Francisco
0: and Seattle, 27 to 7. San Francisco wins amidst their loss. Uh, it, you know, I, I had to dance around it on air, but you have to ask the question, yeah. of, is San Francisco better than they were a week ago?
1: Yeah, I kind of no, think a, it's, so. a, it's, a, it's, an, like, it's an emphatic yes. It's, a, well, like, it's an emphatic yes, but like I feel bad saying yes because Trey. Yeah, I feel bad like, for Trey Lance that he got hurt, but like, yeah, I mean, this was not. It's a tough spot. I for was in the Trey NFC Lance.
0: Championship game a yeah. year ago. He was in the Super Bowl three years ago. Like this is I an, get,
1: this is. I get he missed the throw to Emmanuel Sanders. I get it. He should have made that throw. They should have won that Super Bowl. Holy hell, we can't keep hanging that over him for three years. Like, he's still gotten it. It's like, after that, it's like, oh, is he the guy? Gets him back to the NFC championship game. Like, he is the perfect guy for this offense. And obviously, Tom Brady. Let's do it the other way. Let's do
0: it the other way. If Tukwoski Tart intercepts that ball last year, he's in the Super Bowl again. Yeah. Like, it makes. This is. This is a proven winner, and I know it's that sort of gray area of when you call a guy a winner, it usually means he lacks something in getting to those wins. And Jimmy obviously does, but his team rallied around him. They seem to believe in him more. There's even uh, anonymous sources inside the locker room that this team has a a renewed sense of belief because we don't have to develop a quarterback and lose for a year because of that guy. Mm -hmm. The window just reopened. Now, does the developmental window of Trey Lance close? Obviously it does until he can get back up on that broken ankle and we are hoping for a quick return, but it's going to be a very interesting camp next year. It's going to be a very interesting summer with, let's say the San Francisco 49ers go to the playoffs again, win a playoff game, potentially get to an NFC championship game again. Like, like at what point, at what point of success this year do you have to give Jimmy a contract and trade Trey Lance? That would be my secondary question.
1: I don't know because it's going to be like if you if you trade Trey Lance, you're kind of admitting defeat. There, you're admitting that you messed up. the but that's the what you overall have, you have to do. That yeah, if you're, you're doing, I I agree. You just got to you got to swallow your pride. I, I don't. I've never understood. Uh, I've never understood the Jimmy hatred. He's not an elite quarterback in the NFL. Obviously, no one's saying that he is. But for this team and this offense, the way that this Perfect. is built, the offense that is built around the run game and quarterbacks that know how to check in and out of certain runs and check to certain passes that aren't going to be asked to throw 30 times a game. They're going to be asked to read defenses and make the right throw at the right time. He's very good at this. He's smart. He sees defenses. He knows this offense like the back of his hand. I don't understand shoehorning a quarterback that had played legitimately three football games in the last three years or whatever it was into an NFC championship-ready team, it never made sense to me. Oh. And I feel uh, bad I, for Trey Lance. That, 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 that sucks it, for Trey it, Lance. I feel terrible. very bad it's for him. that's awful. Um, this is more of a general question, but Seattle is one of the teams that did this. Why the hell did we see like 15
0: double passes last week? I feel like we saw <laughs> that same play I like think 20 should- times. So so the, I think it's, again, like to like kind of paint broadly here across the league. Week two is like, the, all right, we're going we're gonna to get to a wrinkle this week, boys. And like the O.C.s talk about it all week. Hey, we didn't want to show them anything in week one, but be ready for that double pass here in week two. I think it's when we always ran it at Wesleyan and, you know, two for two, two touchdowns. But who's, who's counting? Perfect High passer rating. Two. Highest rated passer in the history of collegiate football at any level. But whatever. It's, it's besides the point. Week two is when you get to that wrinkle because you think you're smart. That's the answer to the question. Also, shout out Geno Smith. I think he wrote back. Uh, Geno Smith did write back. <laughs> I think he wrote back. <laughs> they haven't scored since the second quarter of week one. So, yeah, I think uh, he wrote back. Not great. Uh, the oh, defense scored time. that touchdown in, in week two, so don't 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 let that seven fool you. Dallas and Cincinnati. Uh, Dallas wins at twenty to seventeen. Cooper Rush now two and zero as the Dallas Cowboys starter. He led uh, game winning drive in this one, led a game winning drive last year in his win. Just a just really proven. That he's worthy of that $6 million backup salary. But I'm going to ask you a Cincinnati Bengals question here because Joe Burrow was sacked, yeah. uh, what was it, six times this week? So lot. seven times in week one, six and 13 week two. times in two weeks. He's been sacked four or more times in every single one of the last nine games of Cincinnati football. So I will ask you this Can this be fixed with on the fly within the season. I know they retooled the offensive line in the offseason, but like what needs to be done to fix this this year and not say, oh, we just got to address it in the offseason.
1: You know, I I think just time. I I do think while the the offensive line was bad. Yeah, time. He needs more of it. He needs more of it, but they they had two very tough assignments going up against arguably the two best pass rushers in football uh, in TJ Watt and Micah Parsons, and it did not go well but it's a new offensive line sometimes needs time to gel. And the Bengals are one of these teams that didn't play people in the preseason for the most part when they did, didn't really give them real reps. And I don't, uh, camp is awesome. Camp is necessary, but nothing, nothing can substitute for in game on field reps at game speed and new offensive line that they, it's not like that. you know, Lyle Collins is a nice player. I don't think he's a stud left tackle. I don't think he's a star left tackle. Like, This new offensive line without really stars on it is going to need some time to gel. And I think by the end of the year, we're going to see them playing better football. And there's also a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover type situation for Cincinnati after getting there last year. Is it a eyebrow red flag raising? Sure, but I'm not quite sounding the alarm with Cincinnati yet because I still think they're a pretty solid group.
0: Um, Jonah Williams needs to be better I agree. You're a top five pick on the offensive line. You just got to be better, and that's, that's that's my guy. I covered him. He was the NorCal guy, sweetheart, but maybe too much of a sweetheart. Um, got to be better. We need an ass kicker in the offensive line, Joe. We
1: need an animal. We need a mad piss animal. and vinegar. Exactly. Uh, we need like me. Um,
0: Let's <laughs> <laughs> just I can't. I can't, I can't. Yes. <laughs>
1: uh, I'm going to say is Micah Parsons the best defensive player in football?
0: Not named Aaron Donald. I'm ready to say it. I I could probably sit here and find maybe two other guys that we could have the conversation about, but just for the purpose of the question, yes, he's so yeah. dynamic and he can rush the pass. He's got, he's one of these, like, and you know, you, you mentioned Aaron Donald I'll throw, not as a top, not as the top guy in the league, but I'll throw Von Miller in there. I'll throw there's certain guys that are built weird, like, von's so small aaron donald is so small and stocky that they're almost hard to get their hands on michael parsons has this like long armed big torso build that i don't he, i think he just might be like when he gets up on guys they don't know what to do with them because he's like proportionately different and he's so hard to get up on because of the length of his arms he knows exactly when to leave the ground because he didn't get home to give the quarterback something tough to look at when he jumps. He makes the traditional tackle. He makes the non-traditional tackle. He's just like he is a defensive coordinator's wet dream because you can put him so many different places to do so many different things that like you can give offenses crazy looks because you never know where 11 going to be or what he's doing.
1: Yeah, he, he's you truly have to know where he is on the field at all times, and I still think Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in football because he is. But like, you know where Aaron Donald's going to be every play. You know where T.J. Watt to a, to an extent is going to be every play. You don't know where Micah Parsons is going to be every play, and you have to account for that. And that's just one extra thing to think about. It's he was great last year, and it seems like he's even taken a bigger step forward this year. I believe.
0: I think he's. I think last week was his 16th game or 15th game or something. I don't know. I don't remember why. What did he miss last year? But not not of the point, but he is the he has the second most sacks in the history of the league through the first 15 games. So, like, torrid pace. Would love to see him uh, really continue that pace over the next five years. It would be yeah. just really, really fun to watch outside of when we have to play him. Uh, Denver and Houston. It happens. I guess that's my question. Uh, 16 to 9. I want to read into Denver a little bit here. I keep giving you the hard question to ask. That's fine, whatever. But I want to read into Denver here. I can adapt. I want to go I want to go beyond the box score. Do you get the sense that this is a team that doesn't believe in their quarterback, not as a talent but as a person? It kind of does, like, feel like that. It just it seems like. You look at the way that he was regarded in Seattle. His teammates, when he came back, didn't respect him. The fan base didn't respect him. He's doing the center of the field, eyes closed, spinning around. He's doing the run-pass thing on the sideline like we're in a high school JV game. He just seems like we've jumped the shark here. He doesn't seem authentic, and I think his teammates that's, realize that.
1: that is, I, that's the perfect way of putting it. It, just, it, it seems like his teammates – sense a little fakeness and I'm not sure it actually is fakeness. I think it might actually be who Russ is, which is even weirder, but yeah, he seems like an outsider on that team. He seems like he doesn't see it. It's, it seems like it's Russ and the Broncos. Not I don't know what if it not doesn't, the Broncos it, led by Russ. Yes, exactly. It, it just seems like, there are two different entities at this point, and he's just wearing the uniform. It it seems like an awkward fit. It's it's one that's going to be happening for a while. because is there for, you know, sign the five-year deal, but that it seems like it's off to a very, very rough start um, because it is.
0: I'd love um, to give away some truth serum right now. No, I really <laughs> would. That'd be... That'd be a great conversation to have. And you also have the question of, is the finger fully healthy? It takes time to come back from those things. Like, yeah. is this something that's going to affect him for the rest of his career? Did we just turn a blind eye to it and assume that they were going to be great because we're adding a guy who won a Super Bowl eight years ago?
1: Yeah, I, 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 he didn't, he doesn't, something seems off. And whether it is the finger, whether it is, the Broncos not fully believe but buying into him as a as a group, I'm not really sure, but something's off there. Maybe if it's partially their head coach, not really sure about him there too. Oh yeah. But um, there's some question to be asked about Dan Hackett. Jesus. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know. The Texans. Who what do I ask about do I ask about Lovey? Is there anything to ask about Lovey? Um uh, how does his
0: beard look so perfect every weekend?
1: What Derek Stingley Jr. looked really good. Was he was did they reach and I don't know. Yeah, is Lovey like the most average head coach of all time? I think he's 89, 88, and 1 in his NFL career.
0: Vegas, Arizona. 29, Arizona. 23, Vegas. Overtime winner. Another. The the third. 20-point fourth quarter comeback. Unbelievable. Crazy. Inefficiencies on the defensive side of the ball in three different places and trying to get this thing to the clubhouse. But, um I'll I'll leave Arizona for you because I have a million Arizona questions. Okay. I'll go Vegas for you. At 0-2, is this DOA season's over or do you still believe in an 0-2 Las Vegas team?
1: I still believe in the talent in this roster and in the group that they are. Um, I, the only problem is starting 0-2 in that division is going to be really, really yeah. tough given who's at the top of it. Um, But no, I'm not ready to write them off yet. They're a team that played better towards the end of the year last year. They're a team that lost to the Bears at home last year, early in the year, and then ended up making a run to the playoffs. So I'm not ready to write them off yet. I still think there's a whole lot of talent. I think Hunter Renfro needs to hold on to the football. Um, But they they have Devontae Adams. They have Hunter Renfro. They have Darren Waller. They have a quarterback in Derek Carr, who I really do believe in. So I'm not quite ready to go to that point with them yet. Um, Arizona, do you want a Kyler or a Cliff question? Kyler. <sighs> what did we learn from Kyler Murray in this game? Like I, I
0: we had two we completely learned, different halves, halves. What did we learn we about learned that Kyler Murray's season? Excuse me. Kyler Murray's ceiling is elite. The way he bought time on a couple of those two-point conversion, the throw to the back of the end zone on the two-point conversion to A.J. Green, it is all world-class stuff. He's got to raise his floor. His floor is too, too damn low. His ceiling is amazing. And when he gets to that place, he's one of the best in the world. He's, he's captivating. He is fun to watch. But the disparity between his best and his worst is still far too yeah. great. He needs to be more consistent. That's how I feel about Kyler Murray, because when he if he can do what he did in the fourth quarter in overtime consistently at the NFL level, he's a top seven quarterback in the world, and that's saying something. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's very fair. Uh, uh, finally, uh, we did no, we did Green Bay and Chicago. I don't want to talk about I it think, anymore. So finally Buffalo and Tennessee. Did we miss Saints? But we did miss we missed Saints. We miss Saints. Box. Where Saints Buck? In where, between oh, yeah, Commanders, just, Lions. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. 20 yeah. to 10. Uh, Tampa Bay comes through. Cash is my lock of the week. Thank you, Tom. Terrific in the second half. Um, let's talk about the brawl because it seems like every time these two get together, yeah. Mike Evans and uh, Marshawn Lattimore end up fighting. Um, do you take issue with it? Is there a place for it? Is it the turning point in that game and in this season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers?
1: I think it kind of felt like a rallying point, a rallying cry for them. Because Very much so. It, it did. I mean, they they clicked it after that point, and it, it, you saw Mike Evans afterwards. I think it, to the media was like, "Man, like it's Tom Brady. What else was I supposed to do?" Um, so good. I, I do want to know what Marshawn Lattimore said. I'm guessing there was some sort of Giselle comment in there, um, but yeah, it, it seemed like a rallying cry for the Bucks. And you talked about it last week when you made your lock that defense. Oh boy!
0: Oh boy! They're going to, they're going to, that defense is going to carry this team to at least an NFC title. I, I have him in the Super Bowl, and I'm not backing off
1: of that claim. Um, I guess with the saints is Jameis good enough to compete for a playoff spot. No. Okay. That's, yeah. I didn't think he's so. very
0: much, he's the, he's the, he's the Denny green. They are who we thought they were yeah. to me. Like he, we know what Jameis says. He turns the ball over. He's a great soundbite. Um, might throw for six touchdowns and six interceptions. That's just what he is. I'm impressed with, I'm impressed with Michael Thomas's return, um, through two weeks. Uh, I need, uh, I need to see Alvin Kamara out there to really assess this team. I don't think they're going to go away, but. Jameis will be a limiting factor. I think that that's the best way to put it. Uh, We had a two pack on Monday night, Buffalo and Tennessee, Philadelphia, and Minnesota, uh, Buffalo, Tennessee, 41-7, no contest. The Bills looking like the best team in the world. I'll ask you a Tennessee question. Is it Malik Willis' time? Uh,
1: I think, you know, I asked you the same thing with Desmond Ritter, and you asked me the same thing with Kenny Pickett. Um, probably not yet, but the clock is ticking. Uh, that's going yeah, to happen because, at some point. Because Atlanta
0: doesn't have playoff expectation this year. Tennessee comes into the year as last year's AFC one seed. And just this is what's happened since then. You earn the one seed. You absolutely fall flat on your face in the divisional round. You open up the season with a loss to the Giants. And then you follow that up by laying an egg against Buffalo. Ryan Tannehill's got to wake the hell up or it's Malik Willis time for me.
1: Yeah, uh, it's, it's hard to imagine that Ryan Tannehill has gotten worse but it's almost like the drafting of Malik Willis has like put this this pressure on him, and he's performing. <laughs> he's performing even worse. Who um, oh boy, I had another t- another Tennessee question, but I'm not going to ask it. Uh, Stefan Diggs, is he the best receiver in football, or is that just? Or no, I'm sorry. Better better question. Is Allen and Diggs the best combination in Quarterback receiver combination in football.
0: The best duo of quarterback receiver, yes, duo. I'd say, yes. I think there are better receiving cores in the NFL. No disrespect yeah. to Gabe Davis, who wasn't out there, and everyone thought, oh, they're going to be able to bracket forty games, points. He's not going to do anything. Davis. Three touchdowns, a billion yards, no problem. Um, best one, two recency bias taken into account, I still think it's a yes. Um, they just yeah. have such a understanding of one another. They have such a great Rapport. Anytime they reroute, they're on the same exact page. I don't think there's a better duo doing it because of that fact. Mm-hmm. We knew who the ball was going to on Monday night. There was no Gabe Davis. There's only going to be so much tight end exposure and so much run game out of the Bills. We knew it was going to be Diggs, and it was still Diggs. Unbelievable. Love it. Um, Vikings, Philadelphia, Eagles, Minnesota. Rounding out our week two offering, uh, are you ready to call Philadelphia one of the top teams in the NFL? And by top teams, I say top four.
1: Not yet. I still need to see a little bit more, but, man, they're they're certainly trending that way. Um, and if you're looking for some fun futures bets right now, I think Philadelphia to have the most wins in the NFL is like plus 850. I think they're the sixth or seventh best odds. Their schedule is so incredibly light because they, because their division performance last year. That's that's going to be, a, I think, a very smart bet going forward. Um, at some point this year, they're going to lose a head scratcher too, where you, you're going to you know wonder what happened with Jalen Hurts. Why did that happen? But it just seems like they're so deep, and the addition of AJ Brown was just exactly perfect. It was perfect addition at the perfect time. They drafted really well, and I I don't I didn't I don't mean to bring this back to the Bears, but like this is the blueprint for what you would like to see the bears at you know maybe next year or a year for like they let jalen hurts just kind of develop in his new system last year there were some highs there were some lows there were some ups there were some downs but he showed some good signs and then took you into the offseason with with some momentum then you went out and got him a star receiver and you improved that offense and look where they're at now so i think that's the blueprint i not to get to bring it back to the bears but that's that's the blueprint. I think that the Bears should be kind of looking at trying to take. Um, man, like it has to be a Kirk Cousins question, right? Mm-hmm. Is there a bigger waste of money in football than Kirk Cousins? <laughs> yes, forty yes, this
0: year, thirty bigger, next year. I think there are plenty bigger wastes of money. I was just blown away by again the floor and the like. What we saw in Week One was so. Um, it was it just felt like an affirming moment for Kirk Cousins week one. I got my OC. I got my wide receiver. I'm going to be this guy that I've been compensated to be. And then week two in prime time is just like, where, where have you gone? Where did you go? What is this? Who is this guy? This is a completely different person than we saw in week one. It's a completely different game plan than we saw in week one. We saw Justin Jefferson working through double teams with relative ease in week one, and they just can't get on the same page in week two. I, Is it really the the primetime thing? Is it really the Monday Night Football team? Because yes, I get it. He won his last two primetime starts. Let's not read too far into it. Well, those two starts were both against the Bears, not to disrespect our team, but life's easier when you're facing a team like that instead of a team like Philadelphia who's got actual playoff maybe Super Bowl designs. Yeah, Kirk, I just can't put my finger on him because there's a lot of uh, Kirk Cousins disciples because of the numbers, but like, He is, to me, and take this how you want, he's Eli Manning without two rings. He's a regular season Eli Manning. He's 60-60-2 as an NFL starter. He's a 500 quarterback, and I think that's what he'll always be. I, I think that's a very fair way of putting it
1: um all right i know you have a heart out here and we i know there's some baseball stuff we wanted to get to but quite honestly that'll still be here next week we can have our white Sox post-mortem when they're officially out of it wow uh, he's killing them he's killing them oh i mean they're dead they're, they're six yeah. games back last, 14 night, was, left last to play. night last Five, night was it right are but tiebreaker so they're six Gosh, they have to yeah, there is no, there is fair no there is no game yeah, one yeah,
0: yeah, six yeah, games yeah. back um
1: Hopefully, we see Pujols get himself to, to 700. We can talk about that, Aaron. Jones. Oh, can I ask you? Can
0: I, yeah, can I ask sure. you a judge question? Sure. is this is this a, a storyline that's captivating the rest of the country outside of the tri-state area? Because I'm just to put it in just to put it in perspective, there's only been nine, including last night, there's or this season, there's only been nine instances in which a player has hit 60 or more home runs. Mm-hmm. Of those instances, Roger Maris has won at 61, and then the rest of them have asterisks next to them. Bonds, McGuire, Sosa taking up the rest of those uh, moments. Ruth had a 60 home run season. That would be the eighth. With Judge being the ninth, is this captivating a national audience? I am most certainly keeping an eye on it. Is
1: it captivating me the way that the 90s home right run, at these 90s home run races did? No, well, not even close. But I'm absolutely keeping an eye on it. I'm hoping that he gets it. I'm a little bit, honestly, more. Interested in the Pujols storyline, but I think that's just because Pujols was, you know, the best player of my childhood, and uh, I think you hold those guys a little bit higher regard. But uh, I'm, I'm very captive. I'm very interested in both. Um, so probably not to the extent of what's going on in New York, very clearly. But uh, I'm very interested in both.
0: Okay. So I think that kind of answers way. my question. Without answers my question, this is a bigger thing than we're making it. This is history. Oh, this is one of the one of the greatest seasons in baseball history. The dude might win the triple crown and hit 68 home runs. It's I'm just unbelievable.
1: Uh, I'm right there with you. I, I don't, I'm not right there with New Yorkers, but I mean, that's their guy too. So yeah, I wouldn't expect myself to be. Um,
0: that's all I got. you got anything there? We locks, have, locks. The moves and runs parlay is one officially. We keep, we, keep, we forgot to give out locks. We gave out the locks on Twitter. Uh, you can go check the receipts. We were two and zero as a podcast. The parlay hit last week. We are both now one and one on the season. Matt Rooney, you lead us off. What's your favorite play on the board this week?
1: You know, uh, I I feel like I, I hope I'm not falling into a little bit of a trap here, but I uh, we we talked about a lot of home dogs. I am going to take a road favorite. I like Baltimore covering the three at New England. I just. We talked, the win over Pittsburgh wasn't to me all that impressive. It was more about what Pittsburgh couldn't do than what New England could. And I think this is a pretty good get right spot for Baltimore's defense. Um, I think Baltimore goes in and wins that game by, you know, 10, 12 points, something like that. So I like Baltimore to cover the three at New England
0: um yeah i'm a sucker too nine home dogs we should probably be finding one of those that we like but i'd take one of the road favorites as well and it's a number that's going to move 100 it's going to move the san francisco 49ers are currently laying one and a half on the road against the broncos team that i just don't believe in in prime time again um i think that this is this is a This is a Niners team that's 10 points better than the Broncos, it really is, and yes, they're on the road, I get it, maybe this is the week that the Broncos finally come together, whatever it may be. I think that this number is 3-3.5 at kick, it's currently 1.5 in favor of the Broncos, buy it now, thank me later, those are your locks of the week here on the Moose and Runes podcast. Would the Broncos be favored with Trey Lance starting? I mean the one and a half tells you yes it's only one and I think a half. so I right maybe it's a maybe it's a pick them with lance yeah. starting um that's all right that just that popped is, in my head when we were talking about it and then say what if we will not get the question to again a speedy recovery to lance um and uh, we will continue to follow that saga in san francisco but for now he is matt rooney i am joe musso Matt, think about other people later